paying special attention to is verse 10, but we'll read it in context. So Malachi 3, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 3, verses 1 through 15. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like, a, like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. So far, the words of the Lord. As mentioned, the text that we'll be focusing on, especially is Malachi 3, verse 10, and and really half of that verse, the promise that God makes in that verse, is what I hope to focus on. Let's read that verse again then. Malachi 10. And I'll start at the second sentence in that verse, where the Lord says, Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Brothers and sisters, 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're standing here on the edge, the threshold of another year in the lives that God has given to us. 2017 now lies behind you. And everything that you have done in the past year and everything that you have been through are all behind you forever. And in a few hours, we'll be entering into another year if God permits. The turn of the year always makes us stop and and reflect, and rightly so, and consider what we have made of the time that God has given to us. How have we grown, and what have we accomplished, and most importantly, who have we become over the last year? Have you grown into the person that God has been calling you to be? Have you walked with God and grown with God over the past year? Have you followed His calling to be the person that He's calling you to be? Have you used 2017 to to do the things that you know that God has desired for you to do? Have you made the most of the time that God has given you? The turn of the year gives us this opportunity to just stop and, and think and reflect on these things, and it's good. It's right for us to do so. Uh, perhaps we should even do so more often. But we thank God for these opportunities. So now 2017 is behind us, and we cannot have it back. And 2018 stands before us if Christ should not return tonight. And, and perhaps some of us even feel unprepared for 2018 to come, Because we look back on the last 12 months of our lives and we think we have let those months pass us by. There are opportunities, and this is true for all of us, there are opportunities that we have allowed to slip through our hands. And perhaps we feel there's so much more we could have done with the time that God has given us, and we don't want to make that mistake again in the next year. Well, I want to meditate with you briefly then on on God's words in Malachi 3, verse 10. They're very surprising and unusual words, in one sense, from God. To do that, there's a couple of things that I should say right at the beginning uh, to help us see how these words are relevant for us right now at the turn of the year. First, I'm aware that this text does come in a context that is that is heavy and, and overcast with, with clear warnings of, of judgment. The, the entire book of Malachi is overcast with warnings of judgment. It certainly wasn't my intention as I started working on this text to, to deliver a, a critical or a judgmental sermon at the turn of the year, but that is the context for this text, and we ought to look at that and and deal with that. And I've become convinced as I worked on this text over the last week that if we're going to look seriously at God's promise in verse 10, we do have to first face the, the words of warning that are there in the context. And I trust that that will be good for us, and I hope that we will not be overly discouraged by those warnings, but that we would still take them seriously. Secondly, the focus for this particular text and indeed the rest of the book of Malachi is particularly on the, the financial commitment of God's people in that time 
Don't get too thrown off by that. It, it so happens that already this morning, that, that was a theme that came up in, in this morning sermon that wasn't uh, particularly planned. But the financial commitment that it's speaking about here, it serves as a window into the hearts of God's people. And that's what the book of Malachi is ultimately about, the hearts of God's people. So I didn't choose this text because we're facing some kind of budget shortfall or anything like that, nor do I particularly intend to focus on finances as such. Uh, But my desire for tonight is to meditate on these verses in light of the larger question of, of what does it mean to commit and devote our entire lives, all of our lives, to God's service. Because the same promise that's laid out here in verse 10 with respect to financial commitments, it applies just as much to every other area and commitment of our lives. And the blessings that are promised here are not, not specifically and, and, and limited only to financial blessings, but every spiritual blessing. And so we can apply this just as well to commitments of time that we hope to give to God in the coming year, or commitments of of strength and energy, uh, commitments of of talents and expertise, commitments of spiritual and emotional concern, the thoughts that, that fill our mind. We want to devote those too also to God. All of these can be considered sort of resources at our disposal that God asks us and invites us to to give to him, and the way in which we use them in the coming year, or or don't use them as the case may be, will be a measure of the commitment of our hearts to our God. That's true also for the year behind us. The way that we have spent our time and energy and talents and thoughts and concerns on this over this past year shows where our hearts are before God, and, it, and they show what, what has mattered to, to us the most in the past year. So the same promise then that God is making through Malachi here concerning specifically finances applies just as well to every other resource that we have to give to God, and the blessings that God promises in this text include, include also other far greater blessings beyond simply financial or material blessings. So that's essentially then where we're going with this text. First, then, we want to hear and hear well the context for this text. There's a warning there, a correction that we need. The book of Malachi is a heavy book. It's the last book of the Old Testament, at least in the English version. In the Hebrew, it's, it's not. But he is the, the final prophet, that, that the final prophet to speak the, in the Old Testament. And as such, then, he finishes the Old Testament on a very sad and, and heavy note. Indeed, the very last words of Malachi, the very last words of the Old Testament are, lest I come and strike the land with a curse. So there's a warning in this book. It's the last appeal from the Lord to Israel to turn from their ways of sin and to repent. Well, Malachi prophesied then during the years after the people had been brought back uh, from exile. So this is after the, some of the people were back and after the temple had already begun to be rebuilt. On the one hand, it it was a very joyous occasion for many of God's people to finally be back in the land and to see Jerusalem finally being rebuilt. 
But on the other hand, the land of Israel and, and the villages within Israel were not at all experiencing God's blessing. They were far from prospering. And the people of Israel, after so many years, were, were beginning to question the goodness of God. Finally, he had brought them back. That was good. But here they are, and the land is not prospering, and they felt like they were serving God. So where was God's blessing that he had promised. Finally, they're doing what the prophets had said, serving God alone. And yet, where's the blessing? Well, the message that God brought to Israel through Malachi was was very simple. It was, take a good hard look at your lives, O people of Israel, and at this so-called service. Are you indeed honoring me as you say you are? Now, there's two ways to, to receive that message, the message from Malachi, one way, the wrong way, is to conclude that it's simply never enough with God. You can go back, you can serve Him, you can do what the prophets called you to do, but no matter how hard you try, God's never going to be satisfied with your service. And that's basically how the Israelites were responding in that time. That is not the point at all of the book of Malachi. It wasn't simply a a message of do more, try harder, and maybe God will bless you. That wasn't the message at all. Rather, God's message through Malachi was, right from the very beginning, you see this in the first words of chapter 1, I love you. I'm your father. I want to bless you, but you are not being faithful as you say you are. And so the book of Malachi calls the people of Israel to to look hard at their lives and at their service. And it focuses on on several different areas of their lives. Chapter 1 deals with offerings and and sacrifices. The Israelites were saying, look, we're, we're bringing sacrifices. Isn't that what you asked? And Malachi responds, well, take a look at these sacrifices. You you pick out the blind and the lame from your flocks, and you give those as sacrifices so you can keep the healthy animals for yourselves. Is that really what it means to give sacrifices to God? Chapter 2 then deals with their personal lives. Uh, the complaint was, look, God, not only are we giving you sacrifices, but we're here before your altar, we're praying, and we're even praying with tears. What more do you want? And Malachi responds, yes, but then you turn around and you're faithless to, to the wife of your youth. You refuse to love your wives and you're divorcing them without cause. What use is it then to come before the altar of God while living a life that denies him? And so there the accusation is of hypocrisy. You're claiming to live one life, and you're living one life before the altar and another life at home. Chapter 3 then deals with their financial contributions. In that day, the expectation, indeed even the law, was a 10% tithe given from the first fruits. In other words, from the top of the budget, not from the discretionary spending at the bottom. And the Israelites' complaint was, look, we're giving financial contributions, so where's God's blessing? And God's response was, no, you're not. You're not giving the full 10% tithe that you owe me. And as a result, the priests are having to look for different work. The temple work is being neglected because the tithes are not there. 
So the people of Israel were, were even approaching their tithing as, as something to avoid, as essentially the same thing as taxes. You want to file every kind of deduction you can file in your tithing to God. And yet they still felt like they were, they were giving, and so God owed them His blessing. And here, too, the focus is on the heart. God says, is that really what you call faithful, generous giving? Giving as, as little as you possibly can to God. Is that what God requires of you when He asks you to give? And so in all of these areas, in, in the sacrifices and offerings, in, in their prayers, and also in their financial contributions, the focus throughout Malachi is on the hearts of God's people. The way that we give, the way that we live, and the way that we serve all show the condition of our hearts, whether they are hearts that are near to God and committed to God or, or in love with something else. So in all these areas, then the book of, of Malachi is a call from God to the people of Israel to take a good hard look at their lives and at their service and their worship and to consider whether the, the apparent breakdown in their relationship with God was really God's fault or their own. Well, I said earlier, if we're going to receive the promise in verse 10, uh, well, we, we first need to deal honestly with the, the context of the rest of the book, the warning that is given here. And it's a hard thing to do, but it's a good thing to do at the turn of the year. There certainly are applications for us. It's very easy to fall into the same sort of thinking as the people of Israel had fallen into, to ask, what can we give as a minimum to God in order to have the rest for ourselves? Not just in, in terms of finances, but in terms of time and energy and strength and the thoughts and preoccupations of our mind. It's very easy also then to mistake God's rebuke as essentially saying, you need to do more, you need to try harder. And that's also not the point of Malachi. The point that God is making through Malachi is, look at your lives and ask, are you serving him from the heart at all? That was the message for the people of Israel. Half-hearted or joyless service or begrudging service, which, which will always end up cutting corners when the opportunities come. That isn't a service of love. And that means it isn't at all the service that God desires of us. And hypocritical service, as you see in, in chapter 2, serving God in the temple and then refusing to love our, our, our wives or our families at home, that certainly is not the service that God requires of us. All of us, of course, should take the time at the turn of the year to look back on the year behind us. Certainly there are, there are sins, there are areas that, that could be worked on. And so it's right and appropriate for us uh, to be honest with where our faith and our service is at. Each of us will, will have to search our own hearts on, on that question. What is our, our prayer life like? Are we giving to God, so to speak, the leftovers of our time and energy when it comes to, say, Bible reading, allowing His Word to, to, to sanctify our lives, or, or prayer, or to visiting and, and encouraging and comforting one another? Uh, uh, and, of course, it's not about the, the hours and minutes 
as such. But at the same time, if a heart for God is alive and active, there will be a substantial amount of of minutes and and hours given to his service and given to personal devotion with him. So that's the the context and the warning that, that is there in Malachi 3. That then brings us to the promise that is here in verse 10. And I hope this will be our our focus also as we look ahead to the next year. Let me say first, this is the only place in Scripture anywhere where God calls someone to put him to the test. Everywhere else, that phrase refers to something sinful. For example, Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. There it referred to the Israelites in, in the wilderness who complained and, and, and constantly, no matter what God had done for them, were always complaining. And so there it refers to testing, testing God's patience, seeing what God can put up with. It's, a, it's an evil sort of testing in fact, this, this phrase is used in the same sense only a few verses later where it says, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and escape. So, so Malachi is certainly aware of that, that negative sense of, of this phrase. You think also of, of Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by, by Satan, and Satan suggested that Jesus throw himself off of a cliff to see if God would would send his angels to, to protect him from, from hurting himself. And Jesus quoted these, the same verse and said, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But here in verse 10, God actually calls his people to put him to the test. Malachi 3 verse 10, Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So here, amazingly, God actually invites us to put him to the test. Well, obviously, putting God to the test then means different things in in different places. In the instances I quoted from from Deuteronomy, uh, it, it was a testing of God's patience. When Satan also tempted the Lord Jesus, and Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, there it was imposing upon God tests which God had neither commanded nor sanctioned, holding him accountable to promises he had never made. And so there too, it's testing God in an evil way. But here, we're dealing with a promise from God that God has made, and God allows us to put him to the test with respect to promises that he has made. God had promised, already way back in Deuteronomy, to bless his people if they would give him their first fruits. And apparently it's a promise that, that God's people in Malachi's time had simply not yet believed. They didn't trust God to keep his end of that promise. And I dare say it's a promise that many of us today are also often hesitant to believe. Now, I want to take this beyond, as, as I mentioned earlier, beyond just the application to financial giving, also because we, we looked at that this morning. But the same principle then applies to every sort of sacrificial giving. And God's blessing here also is not only financial, but refers to every good blessing from heaven. 
And you can see this even already back in, in Deuteronomy 28. The, the promises were abundant in Deuteronomy 28. God promised to bless their homes, their families, their land, their government, and many, and many, many other blessings. Nor is this just an Old Testament reality. Some, sometimes we, we make that excuse that we don't have to, to take God at His word in, in Malachi 3 with this promise, because that was an Old Testament promise. But the same promises are made in the New Testament. You look at Luke 6, verse 38, the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, Give, and it will be given to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's Luke six thirty-eight. In fact, we saw the very same thing this morning with the words of the Apostle Paul in, in Philippians 4. He, he made the promise, God will supply your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we've seen this. All of us have, have seen this. Uh, yes, of course, sometimes we can give and, and for a time seem to take a hit. But who among us has ever been left in the lurch after giving to God of our time, our energy, our money, or any other resource that we have? I think of the many, the many farmers in our midst and, and in other places too that, that have made the commitment not to do their work on, on Sunday or their harvesting at least on, on Sunday. And some of them take a hit in the short term. The perfect opportunity to harvest comes and, and they pass it over. And yet I've never seen such a brother ever go poor as a result and, and lose all of his income. God blesses those who honor him with their lives, with their time, and with their first fruits. And so as we look ahead into 2018, let's take this past just the question of finances and consider all of the resources that, and opportunities that God has given us. Remember, this is a book ultimately about the hearts of God's people. And so the promise stands before us and applies just as much to us as it did to the people of Malachi's time. God desires our whole hearts and our whole lives, and he promises that if we give our lives to him, he will not let us be sold short. As we look back into the last year, we should take the time to search our hearts on where our faith and our service has been? Are there areas in our lives where we have been giving God the leftovers? But as we look ahead, brothers and sisters, take this promise from God to heart. He is making this promise sincerely, and he makes it also for us. He invites us to test him. There is nothing that he calls us to give which he does not promise to fill us afterwards with his blessing far beyond whatever we may have given him. There is no biblically honored commitment or sacrifice that you can make that God does not promise to repay with blessing far and above what you have given him. All of us have ways in which God is is calling us and has been calling us for perhaps some time towards greater uh, love and service in, in the church. 
In some areas, perhaps we've, we've finally begun that growth over, over the past year. And in other areas, maybe we find we're still right where we were a year ago. And one of the reasons that we, we hesitate to begin that growth is because for many of us, we know it's going to be costly. It's going to cost us, and it will. And so perhaps God has been, been calling you towards greater service of, of love, within this congregation. If so, you know it will cost you. It will. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. Perhaps God has been calling some of us to a more open and and honest and meaningful discipling of our children. That too will cost us, and not only in terms of time and strength, but also in terms of our pride, having to, for, for many of us, having to lay down our pride and, and admit our, our failures and weaknesses before our children. Perhaps God is, is calling some of you to a, a more meaningful commitment uh, towards your, your neighbors or your co-workers. This, too, will cost you. And so we hesitate because many of us think, whether we would admit it or not, if I go forward with what God is calling me to do, is this going to end up consuming all of my free time or all of my available energy? Is this going to maybe take me out of my comfort zone? Is this going to set me down a path of, of sacrifice and service to God that is ultimately going to leave me empty-handed where God's not going to take care of me at the end of the day? And what these questions boil down to then is, is God going to betray me? Is God going to sell me short? Is he going to demand of me everything that I have? And then once I've given it all to him, is he going to leave me with nothing? Is he going to leave me empty-handed? Here's where God calls us and invites us to test him. He says, test me. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and fill you with every blessing. The promise that God makes here in in Malachi 3, where he calls us to test him, is a promise that, that applies with respect, as I've said, to every commitment we can possibly give. Give to God, and he will not leave you empty-handed. So hear it again, then. There is no biblically honored commitment or sacrifice you can make that God does not promise to shower you afterward with his blessing. Each of us will, will have to search our own hearts and examine our own lives and consider uh, God's uh, calling to each of us individually. How might God be calling us to re-examine or renew our commitment to Him in the coming year? For many of us, it, it will be making the time, for the first time perhaps ever, for personal prayer and Bible reading to become a meaningful part of our lives. For some of us men, as, as husbands and, and fathers, it will be in taking the initiative to lead our family spiritually because we know it, it's going to involve becoming vulnerable to a certain degree before, before God's word. To lead your family in, in the gospel, you have to stand under the gospel and, and that, can, that can put us in a vulnerable position. Many, many men don't feel ready to do that and we wonder, will God just leave me embarrassed or ashamed? For many of us, it will be in reaching out to others within the church who we know, we, we have, we've known for a long time, have been needing attention and care and love, but we've been either afraid or, or just plain unwilling to do that, to make that commitment. 
And for many of us still, it will be in taking the initiative to, to build meaningful relationships with our, our coworkers or our colleagues or our neighbors, which also re- involve a commitment of time and energy and, and often also a degree of, of personal vulnerability, standing under the gospel ourselves, acknowledging that our neighbors will discover that we're not perfect Christians. Uh, that, that's all part and parcel of, of being involved in, in their lives. In all of the ways then in which God is calling us biblically to re-examine or renew our commitment, we can sometimes be afraid then that if, if we just embrace the kind of sacrifice and service that God is calling us to, that it might end up consuming all of our time and energy and leave us with, with nothing left, and as a result, steal our happiness and our joy. And after all, we we can point to examples. Look at the Apostle Paul. He gave everything that he had to God, and and he ended up in jail. For all we know, he he probably ended up killed for it. Is that the life that we want? Or indeed, look at the Lord Jesus' life. He followed God in obedience, and, and look what happened to him. Is that really the kind of life that we want? We look at these examples, and we can ask, doesn't God sell his people short? Well, to answer that, we have to ask, did God keep his promise? It's true. God might lead some of us as low as he led Paul, right, to prison, or as low as he led the Lord Jesus, right, to the cross. I can't promise that God won't do that for you. But we have to ask, did God keep his promise? Did God fill Paul's life with every spiritual blessing? Did God fill the Lord Jesus' life with every spiritual blessing? Was it a life of joy? Well, that's an easy question to answer. Even a quick reading of Paul's letter, as we've read through Philippians over the last year, show that it was a life of abundant, overflowing, exultant joy and unbreakable joy. In fact, you can look at the life of the Lord Jesus himself, all the suffering that he endured for us. And yet Hebrews tells us, we sang it also this morning, he did all of that for the joy that was set before him. God did keep his promise. Well, here's the challenge then to us. God is after your hearts in 2018 and after your whole lives, just as God was after the hearts and lives of God's people in Malachi's time. And giving him our hearts will mean giving generously and joyously of ourselves in every, uh, in every measure. Financial, also in terms of our time, our energy, our concerns, our preoccupations, our talents, all that we give to him. God requires this. He, he, he calls us to give these things, but even more, he promises to shower our lives, even as we give to him, with far, far greater blessing than we could ever give to him of our earthly resources. What he ultimately promises to give us is not only the earthly sustenance that we will need, the strength, the time, the energy, the joy that we will need to keep on laying down our lives, but above everything else, himself. And in eternity, the joy, the glory of having his fellowship and love forever. The gospel-centered life that the Lord is calling all of us to and that I pray we would wholeheartedly embrace in the coming year 
It is certainly a life that will involve sacrifice and suffering. There's no way around the Christian life that, that, that doesn't... In, there's no way through the Christian life that doesn't involve sacrifice and suffering. But it's also a life that is deeply rooted and overflowing with joy. And at the heart of that joy is the nearness and presence of God himself who gives himself to us as we give ourselves to him. Think of Psalm 37 verse 4, another invitation from God that comes with a promise. Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we need to recognize, of course, if we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, he himself is the desire of our heart that he promises to give us. There are none who, who enjoy the fellowship and nearness of God more than those who have made him their heart's delight and as a result are gladly giving themselves to his service. And here's the thing. As 2017 gives way to 2018, it's another reminder that at the end of the day, we don't get to keep any of our money, time, energy, resources, strength, or, or any other resource we have. As another year is gone, we will never get it back. And it's another reminder that those resources are dwindling away whether we want them to or not. There's a big hole in the bottom of our wallets, so to speak, uh, that, through which all of our resources, all, of our, all that we have here on earth is spilling away, and that hole is called time. It is taking our, our lives away. It's a very brief span of time that we have here on earth, and the turn of the year is another reminder of that. And for some of us, that, that time is even coming to an end very soon. So as God in, invites us then to, to put, put him to the test as, as we give our lives to him, he's not calling us to give things or resources that we otherwise would be able to keep, but things that we will inevitably lose either way. God is calling us to give what we cannot keep, to his service, and, po and promising to give us in return that which we cannot ever lose. That's what the missionary uh, Jim Elliott, a missionary in, in Ecuador, he said this before he died on a beach while preaching to, to native tribes in Ecuador. Uh, and as he left the ship to that mission field uh, to serve as, as a missionary there, he wrote that, Many might regard his choice to, to give up all that he had to, to go be a missionary. Might, many might regard that as a foolish decision, but he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's the call for us also here from Malachi 3. In 2018, let this be a year in which you give the time, money, strength, energy, talents, and everything else that you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose, and to discover that God will be near to you and will strengthen you as you give yourself to him. And far beyond that still, you will gain an eternal reward that you will never lose. You cannot keep the year 2018 in 12 months. It will be over and we'll be back here again. But you can spend it. And that's what our Father then is urging us to do. And that, that promise comes in the context of the gospel. We, we love because he first loved us. We give ourselves because he first gave himself to us. We trust 
because he has promised he will never leave us or forsake us. We see this also in the promises that are made in baptism, the promise and the obligation, but the obligation being rooted in the promise. So, brothers and sisters, then, in the year ahead, give your lives to God. Trust that he will sustain you and he will bless you with every blessing in heaven. Amen. Let's respond.